Hey friends, welcome back to the Black Diamond Podcast. This is your host, Eric Malzone. And this is the show where I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing entrepreneurs, founders, change makers, and people who are just creatively leading the way through innovation. And it's not only about successes and, and great stories, because you'll definitely get those, but it's also about the personal challenges and the vulnerability that we face along the way. So this show is brought to you by Level 5 Mentors, helping entrepreneurs and founders achieve the highest levels of freedom in five different categories, time, money, relationships, health, and purpose. And if you want to find out how you're doing in those five categories, we got you covered. We got a survey for that. Just go to level5mentors.com forward slash survey, and you can take the free entrepreneurial survey and see how you're doing in each category and see where you have room for improvement because, hey, we can always be improving. So welcome to the show. Let's get on to it. Rafael Cortez, my friend, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I uh, first of all, you're a podcast host, mm-hmm. so it makes us like brethren, right? Uh, and yeah. Then, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur and, and, you know, having your fingers in a lot of things, I certainly respect that a lot too. So I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Uh, the place I like to start, you know, is always, hey man, how did you, how'd you get to be an entrepreneur? How did you turn out to be a founder? What's the, what's the backstory? Um, it's, uh, it's, it's actually kind of funny. I was working at the, um, at the fire department. So I became a fireman when I was 19. I've always been curious about, you know, kind of, you know, wanting to do my own thing and, 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 you know, that sort of stuff. I was a kid that was, you know, trying to hustle in high school and, and just figuring out ways to, you know, to get what I wanted. Um, independently right so so i think that's that's where a lot of the itch of of becoming an entrepreneur or or you know owning your own business kind of comes from at least for me um and for a while there you know it, it went dormant um but when i was 19 i i joined the fire department and uh, i came across you know just great people there you know some of them being you know my captains then some of them being other people in, in other fire departments so a couple of years go by in that environment and we're sitting at an Applebee's um, with, uh, with uh, one, of our, one of my captains and, and we had uh, 24 hours on shift, right? 24 hours on, 24 hours off. And he goes, you know what, man, it, it's, we have a lot of time in our hands. I mean, I think there should be something that, uh, you know, we could kind of focus on and then, you know, make something, make some, make something more than the, the regular, you know, salary right and and uh, to be honest that's kind of like the first time that the uh, the possibility of doing something kind of really hit um and and i started you know i started thinking about it so we we had a few beers and everything and he goes a really good model would be would be to uh to set up a, a funeral home um and and then we talked about that and then he goes and another model would be to set up a um, non-emergency medical transportation uh, company which is an ambulate wheelchair uh, stretch for patient transport right so it just kind of uh you know we we dabbled with it for a little bit but the idea lingered on and uh and you know i started looking into you know how to do it um i really didn't have um uh, a lot of resources other than the, you know, the SBA and the typical, um, you know, templates that would give you for business plans and stuff like that. But I, I mean, I just went to town and I started um, just digging out information wherever I could. 
And yeah, years go by. I, I ended up having that um, opening up that uh, medical transportation business, and uh, and he ended up you know setting up his uh, funeral home in Yuma. So <laughs> it's pretty interesting how it all developed. <laughs> like yeah, a couple I of mean, years at Applebee's. <laughs> yeah, that's hysterical. I mean, and imagine uh, you know funeral home. You're you're never really going to run out of business, right? Uh, it's kind of right. like a barber shop. People are always you know going to need their haircut, and people are are going to yeah. die. Just it's a little things. morbid, but but uh, we okay. we were in the you know we were you know firemen and 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 so I mean it was just our environment you know yeah yeah you guys are very in touch with mortality <laughs> and it's it's interesting too because I I know a decent amount of firefighters and I actually I tested to be a firefighter for uh, three or four years as well awesome and decided to open my own business but the um, there is an entrepreneurial side to it because you guys do have a lot of time. Right. And there's this, mm -hmm. you know, this opportunity to brainstorm with, you know, people who I would, you probably consider your brothers and sisters at your department and, you know, start side hustles that could turn into something big with very, not too much risk because you got a salary. Right. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's, it's, uh, it's just part of the, uh, you know, coming into, I guess, looking at a different uh, angle of the environment that you're already sitting in, you know, yeah. Yeah. And so you do a lot of cool things now. So you had that one business, but now you're, you're deeply into real estate. You're, you're consulting, you're doing all kinds of really interesting work, man. So tell me what, what are you up to now? So, um, right now I own, uh, I own three businesses. I'm an organizational psychologist. So I left the firehouse a while back, actually right after a couple of years after I, I opened the, I launched the business and and this was in 2007 so when i when i um dove uh, head first into into actually owning my business and betting on myself was was 2007 that's when it all happened and um and uh, so I had, uh, I, I built that uh, transportation company and sold it. But in the meantime, while well, I had that and I sold it in 2014, um, I started dabbling with real estate. So I, you know, I wanted to uh, play some of the funds and, and just reallocate, you know, money and, and that sort of thing. And then uh, I did a couple of flips and started, you know, playing around with real estate investments. So I ended up opening a, a company dedicated to real estate investments and, and wholesale and flipping and, and I still own that that business, which is uh, Pulse Capital. And um, at, uh, during that same uh, time frame, I started working on my real estate license and became an agent. Uh, I'm now a broker, so I own, I own a real estate brokerage as well, which is Pulse Realty and Associates. But um, I was also um, I've always been interested in, in in human psychology, so I'm I'm like that one guy that's all over the place. And um, and I've been interested in human psychology, so I started working on, after I got my, my bachelor's in, in business management, um, I figured, I wanted, I wanted to get a master's degree, but I, I, I mean, I didn't want to do something that I, that I wasn't going to enjoy, right? So it's like, if I'm going to learn something, I might as well learn something fast, you know, that I like and I'm interested in. So I jumped into a psychology degree, which had nothing to do with the businesses that I was running, but I was enjoying the, the, uh, the content, right? And uh, later I found out that you could add industrial and organizational psychology to that degree. So uh, it just, you know, it kind of, it kind of really happened right in front of my eyes because it was a degree that nobody knew about. It's just one of those hidden niches. 
And, and basically what it is, is it's a, a business psychologist. I was like, man, that's right up my alley. Yeah. So I, I have that practice uh, through CEO Pulse. And, uh, and that's what I do. The three businesses are, are um, the organi- organizational psychology practice, uh, real estate investments, and then the real estate brokerage. Hmm. So to the uninitiated, what exactly is organizational psychology? What does that mean? Um, it's, it's basically the, uh, so we have to come up, uh, every time we approach a, a business, me as an IO psychologist, I'll approach a business and, and it, I like to use the analogy that it's, it's similar to when, you know, anybody goes to the, to, to the psychologist, you know, for a session, right? You sit down and you kind of tell them their problem or, you know, your problems and, and then you both kind of work through them. It, it really happens in, in a similar fashion with, with businesses. Um, just the approach is a little different. So I, I have to come in um, to sessions and, and management boards and CEOs and we'll, we'll dissect or break down really what it is um, um, from the people's standpoint, right? So we'll look at the actual psychology uh, of the culture of the business, the people within it, the team, and then we'll look at the operating system as well. And uh, the, uh, uh, the match made in heaven really happens when I'm, I'm able to put both uh, together. So, so if we fine tune, we reallocate or, you know, make sure that everybody's sitting on the right seats per se, and then um, create a, a, um, a fluid um, workflow of whatever the, the processes for that particular business is um, and connect those with the right people. I mean, that's, that's what we're, we're meant to do. So we approach the, uh, the efficiencies of, um, and, and, and lacks, right, of a business through, uh, through the psychological approach of the people that are already in it. That's fascinating, man. Yeah, team dynamics and, and human capital. I mean, now especially, I mean, because we look at what's today's recording, June 25th, 2020, as, mm-hmm. uh, as businesses consolidate their human capital, it's becoming more and more important that they retain them. And just due to the sheer, I mean, it's, it's no secret, just looking at the unemployment rate, there's less people working, right? And that means that yeah, the people that are within companies need to be used more efficiently and, and more effectively. Um, can you, I, I'm curious, because I always learn anecdotally, get, can you give me an example of like a type of company that you have worked with and maybe how you've, how you've helped them adjust or, or become more efficient within their organization. Give us, yeah, give us some. Yeah, of course. Um, one of the most uh, recent ones I can think is it's, um, it's actually a fitness, uh, a fitness company. And they have, um, they have a couple of gyms in town. They have the, um, so they have a, a set. Um, uh, I mean, you walk into that place and the, the, the vibe is amazing. The, you know, everybody's happy. Everybody's smiling. Everybody is, you know, it's just one of those places that you want to be in. However, when you were looking at their, um, at their numbers, nothing made sense, right? So we're not just there to make it a, to make it a, you know, a happy place, a happy vibe, but I mean, you want to make, you want to have a profitable business. And, and, um, so we, they called me in, we got stood down management. We went through the, you know, through everything. The first thing that we did, uh, was, um, implement behavioral assessments, you know, for the whole team. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar with, with, uh, you know, disc profiles and, and, and that sort of stuff. I'm assuming you are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I played with predictive mm-hmm. index and Colby is the one that we use a lot. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of like that. It goes, it goes in, you know, a, a few levels deeper, 
but basically you end up with an overall picture right of of um of the the psychology of of the team not just the one person or or you know the management it's like the overall team so we wanted to see what um what that whole thing looked like and and it's it's crazy because we had people who had um within this with this uh, the, within that team we had people that you know they they were really good at um at being you know socially um, you know, uh, aware. And then you had another people, you know, another set of uh, people who are their strengths were going to be in the analytical side. Uh, however, but they were, you know, they were all over the place. So for example, we had, we had the people um, that their, their natural aptitudes were, were to be, you know, structured and, and, uh, and, um, and logical per se. We had them, um, you know, dealing with the people in the customer service so they, they they were getting burned out quicker and it was just the way that for example the job description was laid out um there was no accountability everybody was just you know um the uh, on, on the happy side and on the vibing side but there was no real accountability in place so we came in and we started switching some of those seats what happened really uh, and it was really cool to see about you know six months after we we started the sessions was that the attrition went down so the retention of the employees uh, was, you know, it got better. Um, they had they had a massive turn um, turnover. It was about four months. About every four months, they were swapping out uh, important roles. For example, you know, floor manager and that sort of thing. Um, the uh, yeah, so it, it's it's just one of the. I mean, that's one of the examples that I can think of right now that. Um, when you apply the, the principles of biopsychology into a business, I mean, you can see a whole different side of things um, that you may not be normally accounted for. Yeah. It's uh, the more years I put on this planet, the more um, I understand that when I start hiring for a role, how critical that pro it used to just be, well, look at a resume. Have you done this before? Check off a couple things. Cool. You're in. Right. Right. But understanding someone's values, what drives them, um, the type of person they are, are they, you know, like using Colby terms, are they, uh, you know, quick start implementer, right? What, what is that? Mm -hmm. Where do they thrive? What type of work do they love to do and, and how important that is? It's, it's, it's a much more complicated process of hiring and organizing, you know, a, a business than I thought it was 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah and and that's that's one side of it um and then you have the whole operating system side of things so sure. you uh, normally what you have in in businesses is that somebody launches out this is a, you know the, the classic scenario right that i've seen uh, somebody launches out into into setting up their own shop um they start doing things a certain way um, because that's just how you know how it, it comes their way at the beginning right so there may not necessarily be a lot of um uh, you know, systems or processes or, 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 you know, lean operating in place. And as they start growing, they start growing, you know, on, on the heavy side of things, because that's just how, you know, things are being done, right? So the, you know, that'll carry over instead of fine tuning and, and, and leaning out the operations or, you know, making it linear, um, you know, basically, you know, to, to put it in, 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 in a summary, it's, you know, automating, delegating, and elevating, right? Mm. But what ends up happening is that you end up with a system that's not, it's not linear, it's got redundancies, um, and, and it's not um, user-friendly per se. So you end up with a lot of waste in, in space, in time, in materials, you know, and that sort of stuff. So 
um, as an IO psychologist, we take the people side and also the, um, the operating system side and our, our, our job is to come in and then look at both uh, ends and lean it out. Does that make sense? And then um, yeah. just you know, set, set it up in a linear, in linear, linear fashion so it flows better. Interesting. What do you think uh, when it comes to, let's just say hiring, mm-hmm. right? hiring staff um, as you grow, what do you think is one of the most common mistakes a business owner or founder makes as they, as they're building up their initial team? What do you, what do you think is one of the biggest mistakes they make? And that's, that's a really good question. I think, I think one of the biggest uh, mistakes that um, happens during hiring is, is, um, waiting until you need to hire to actually start the process. Um, and then, you know, at that point you're, you're really reacting more than, than, uh, you know, taking a conscious, uh, conscious approach as to who you, uh, who you want to have on your team. Um, meaning, um, for example, you have somebody, I don't know, on the front desk, right? And she gives you the two-week notice and she leaves. I mean, that's a lot of times it's not, it's not enough time to find somebody that's going to be a match for, for the spot. It's going to be a match for the culture. It's going to be a match for, you know, the, the environment or the, you know, the requirements. It's, it's, so you end up um, just kind of saying, you know, flying off the, you know, the off of gut feelings. Is that uh, and, uh, you know, hiring like that instead of actually taking the time to process information, take people through, uh, you know, assessments are always good. Um, I developed a, um, a behavioral assessment for a big insurance company recently, and, and it's, it's, uh, it's just another, another way to, to kind of prime the applicant list. It's, it's what ends up is happening is that a lot of people just, you know, hire too fast because they have to, they're under the, uh, that pressure to do, to do it. So... So, um, you end up with, with, uh, on the long run, it, it usually, you know, translates into, uh, attrition, employee attrition. So <laughs> I think, uh, you know, the, the motto is, is, you know, hire slow and fire fast whenever somebody's not working. And I think that stands true. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean, I, uh, so, you know, back in my history, my dad, uh, my dad owned his own business. He was a dentist and I remember from an early age, we all knew when my dad had to fire somebody, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was agonizing for the entire family. Like you could see it was coming and then, and so I, I learned like, yeah, I'd see him, you know, just like I said, agonize for days knowing that, you know, because someone told him, Hey, Fridays are the best day to fire somebody. So he'd make the decision on a Monday and then have to wait all week. And the whole family just had to live with this grumpy dude. Mm. Um, and uh, I remember early on, I'm like, you know, if you're going to pull over, just rip the bayonet. If you got to do it, just do it. Have the conversation. Obviously, right. make sure that, you know, you're set up, um, you know, with documents and legally to, to make sure that everything runs smoothly. But yeah, you can't wait, right? You got to, you got to make it as soon as you have that inkling, you have to, you have to do it because that gets toxic fast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about it this way. Uh, by the time you made that decision or you made up your mind to fire somebody, it's, I mean, it's usually been, you know, some time in the making, right? So now you've made your decision uh, and now you got to pull the trigger on that. So, so I think that the, the fire fast thing happens, needs to happen when you're, when you, after the decision has been made, right? And, you know, and you need to pull that trigger. I think dragging that out is what really creates all that additional stress level that, that you know, nobody needs. Uh, it creates a tension um, and it's more than likely not going to get 
it's some, uh, you know, the issue is going to be something that's not going to get resolved. And, you know, by waiting five days, you know, it, it's because you, you, at that point, usually you've been looking at a track record of an employee. And I mean, honestly, we'll go a month of, you know, subpar performance, two months, three months, or, you know, say, you know what, this guy hasn't been producing, or he's just a, you know, a bringing bad energy into the team or, or he's damaging the culture and you let that ride for, you know, a couple of months. Uh, you know, a few, a few uh, procrastinating on, on pulling the trigger on letting somebody go is not going to, you know, for a few days, is not going to fix the issue. It's only going to make it worse. Yeah. Yeah, man. 100%. I totally agree. Let's, uh, I, w- I want to switch gears because I want to make sure I want to save some time because I, I want to talk about your real estate career too. And, and what, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like we talked about before recording how this industry, the real estate industry has really been operating on the same MO for what, 50, 60 years, I think we, we said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, uh, it, it's one of those, it's kind of like the banking industry, man. It, it's now we're seeing some switches and, you know, with new uh, currencies being, you know, not thrown into the marketplace, mm. but it, you know, re- uh, real estate has been operating in a similar fashion. That's why, uh, does this, you know, the disruption right now, especially with all the I buyers and, and all these companies that are, you know, you know, purchasing properties, um, sight unseen and, and, you know, that sort of stuff, they're making, they're making a big difference. Uh, what they're tackling is not necessarily the, the, the need. It's the more like, uh, of the approach of how they're doing it. Uh, and it's something that needed to be done um, in, in real estate. Yeah. You, you said different currencies. Is that, what are you, are you talking about like cryptocurrencies or? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. I mean, just the way, um, <clears throat> that's yeah i mean in regards to the banking side right but i was using it as a as an example of of how things are, are kind of you know shifting gears and 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 banking in and they need to shift gears in real estate um there's there's a lot of um at least in my world for example there there's we do a lot of um, investments and wholesaling of properties and, and you know creative financing and that sort of stuff but it's not it's a niche that's been kind of hidden, uh, not intentionally, just people don't take the time to learn about it. And, and I think tapping, I mean, real estate is, is, uh, it's an industry right now that's, that's primed for tapping into. I think it's the best vehicle for, for financial independence. Um, and there are so many different ways that you can play in, in the real estate world. Um, I'm, I'm doing it in a couple of different ways. So we're doing, you know, uh, brick and mortar investments. Um, we're doing um, through uh, through method um, interest, you know, uh, through paperwork. Um, I'm also doing it uh, through software. So, you know, developing operating systems for as an as an IO psychologist and that directly apply to to the real estate investments world. I mean, it's just another way to play in the real estate investment uh, realm. But yeah, I think it's it's uh, it's it's just a prime opportunity right now. Yeah, it's interesting, man. I go ahead. No, no. And, uh, I was going to add, especially with all the the readily available knowledge that's out there. That's so. that's it. I mean, I was telling you about a real estate transaction that I'm going through now, and how mm-hmm. I just, you know, it, it with so much information um, out there that you know, I I, I question the six percent that they wanted to charge. I'm like, well, let's hold on a second. Right. Like mm-hmm. explain what, where the value is now. And I think that's, you know, it, it was just a different time before we had online listings and, you know, I had to go show someone and right. network. It was just different. And we're, we're working off, there has to be a new model. And, um, 
you know, I had on the show earlier, Brendan Shu of Aerial Canvas out of the Bay Area. And mm -hmm. you know, he was talking about how, you know, even the up and coming millennial generation is a whole different type of buyer, right? Like they will, they want to see a virtual tour before they ever go and visit. Now you add the pandemic upon it. Like, you know, how many right. people are actually physically going places to look at how limited are open houses and things like that. There's just this really, there's so many factors coming into whatever this disruption is going to be for this, this, uh, industry. And it's, it's fascinating to me. I mean, if you, if you had to take a guess, Raphael, like let's say not even that distant of, of the future, like five years from now, what do you think the real estate industry is going to look like? That's different from what it is right now. Oh man. It's uh, that's well, one, it's super hard to tell. I think, uh, you know, and, and this is without tapping into, you know, property values and, 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 you know, all the subjectivism that that's out there because of the, uh, the current, um, you know, economy. Right. But I mean, I think a lot of it, and at least in the manner that business is held, I think a lot of it is going to be more definitely going to shift more into the, uh, into the online and virtual type of, you know, setting. Why? Right? It's just more convenient. Um, so people are able to, I mean, heck I do business in, in, Want, we have four different markets that we operate in, properties that we, we've never seen. Uh, we just have that ability to do it because it's, it's virtual stuff, right? And I think that uh, it's something that's, that's flowing right now on the investment side, but it's also going to happen on the traditional sales side. Uh, it, it's just, in my opinion, it's just a matter of evolution and then, you know, evolving the way that, you know, the actual, the actual industry does business. Um, one thing that I find super, super interesting is um, uh, virtual notaries. Mm. Uh, I mean, that's a thing now. And it, it's, it's, um, it's uh, you know, the, the ability to just, you know, get something notarized virtually, which kind of defeats the whole purpose of a notary. <laughs> that's, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's already done. I mean, we can do, um, we can do so many things that were not, uh, even last year, we weren't able to do last year. For example, file... Um, you know, documents and, you know, for the county assessor's office, uh, you know, through your desk, um, instead of going to the actual county assessor's office and, you know, filing it, there. You know, things like that are, are just getting more convenient. And I think that's going to open up sooner or later to, um, to the uh, traditional market and for the general consumer. And when it does, I mean, it's, it's going to shift everything. You know, and, and then looking at, let's look at this from a macro perspective too. And, you know, I, like I look at when my dad um, bought his first home and mm -hmm. that was uh, God over 50 years ago. Right. He's, he's now gone. And, um, but that back at that time, you know, let's just say the sixties ish, mm -hmm. you could buy a home for whatever, like that was equal to roughly your annual salary. So if you made a hundred thousand dollars a year, you could buy a home for probably a hundred thousand dollars a year that ratio is so off right now. <laughs> like it's so off the earnings to actual, like, and, and you know, real estate's been, you know, pretty, a pretty solid investment for the last, what, 30 years. Right. Um, right. When does it get to be too much? When does it get to a point where like, I was telling you in, in Santa Barbara, California, where my wife and I have, have properties that the, anything under a million dollars is an entry level property. Mm -hmm. Entry level right? That's crazy to me. 
And I know there's other, you know, like where I live now in Montana, it's, you gets more affordable, but still it's, it's, when you look at the average salary compared to the average home price, it still just seems so out of reach for so many people. Like what do you, is there going to be, there's gotta be a correction coming at some point because otherwise who's going to own the property? And is it just a, is it a 1% thing or what do you, I mean, do you have any forecasts? On I, I think, I think you're right about, about the, uh, the correction. It, it, it's, and the, I think the reason for it is that, you know, markets are, are so um, uh, compartmentalized. It's uh, meaning, for example, I'm in the, I'm, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, right? So uh, my, my immediate market is Maricopa County. Um, we have, uh, Inventory here is dropping. Normally, what you would see in inv- when inventory drops, uh, you'd see a spike in prices because of supply and demand, right? It's simple. Uh, however, we have here, for example, appraisers um, are doing a really good job about keeping the values where they're supposed to be. So they're, they're, that's what's keeping the, the market um, sane, per se, right? But if you if you let go of some of the uh, some of the restrictions in, in not necessarily in the buy and you know buy and sell area. But on the uh, on the regulation, in terms of, for example, pricing, in terms of interest on loans, in terms of that sort of stuff, that's when it's gonna get you know crazy on that uh, you know for that particular area for that particular market. And um, I think what happens is that when when too many when too many um, different areas get you know change and start kind of you know going off the rails, that's when when you know the, the correction really you know it's probably going to trickle in but i mean right now as it stands it's it's i think we're going to see like at least for 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 the stuff that i'm i'm looking at you know and it's hard to say for the, the entire nation but um probably like a um uh just dropping levels on on inventory um out there and that i mean that's going to make a big change uh interest rates are are still you know they're they're way low so they you know pro- um, loans are not easy to get by any means but they're super affordable for those who can get them um, and, and, you know, there's, there's a couple of things that are making sense right now that I see that, that kind of, you know, set me a little bit at ease. Um, however, when you look at the overall, you know, economy of the nation, it, it's, you know, you have unemployment rates kind of going, going up higher and I mean, everything adds up to, to just, you know, destabilizing the, the, the markets and it doesn't matter what, uh, what area you're in, if it's, you know, urban, suburban, um, or major markets. So. Yeah, it's a wild thing, man. It, it really is. And, uh, there's so many, there's so many factors. I mean, who would have thought like, then there's the human factor. I mean, right now, you know, mm-hmm. just going back once again to, to like California, because I know that market a little bit, but it's the only market I know, let's be honest. Um, mm-hmm. the, uh, you're starting to see this mass exodus into areas that it's considered to be secondary markets. So like, um, for instance, the area around Lake Tahoe, um, Truckee, Grass Valley, all these areas that, you know, there's not, people are leaving the Bay Area in San Francisco in particular in favor of these places because now everyone can work remotely, right? So now there's right. this crazy demand on these areas outside of urban areas that no one could have predicted this, only a pandemic. Even if you had seen uh-huh. a pandemic coming, you never would have thought that maybe this would have been the reaction to the market. And then you see the, you know, the decreases and historically low you know, interest rates and it's, it's just, mm-hmm. uh, you just never know, right. You just, <laughs> you just never know. Yeah. There's so many factors. Yeah. And, uh, it, it's, I think what happens too, when you have a, when you have a, uh, a big thing like, uh, for, uh, like the pandemic and everything that's going on right now, when you have something like that happen, it, it just starts to, uh, 
to uh, have influence over a mass amount of people, not just individuals, right? So, so um, it's almost, um, I, I mean, I, I don't know how to say it, right? But, but it, it's, for example, it, it's planting the idea that, uh, that uh, something bad may happen in, in overly populated areas, right? So everybody starts moving out. And you see it happen not in, in you know in, in in small you know small amounts but in big amounts. So yeah. you, you just never know where the uh, the um, the notion of fear is going to lead you know a whole a whole you know section of, of society to. So I think you're completely right. It, it's just I mean it's kind of like okay let's see what the next thing that's going to happen is and then we'll figure out what what the market's going to look like from there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's honestly like right now, if you're looking at real estate, long-term planning, it's, it's three to six months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, now it's, now is a great time to buy in San Francisco as well because mm -hmm. properties that are, you know, never would have been under a million listed for 800,000. And although to most people, those numbers sound crazy for residential, it's like, that's a steal, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. Yeah, man. Well, uh, man, I feel like I could quiz you about real estate all day but uh i also want to talk about your podcast man um yeah tell me what uh well first of all tell me about your podcast and then i'll ask more questions well, the uh the podcast it, it's it's actually um uh, the platform is is coming from an io psychology standpoint so it we sit down it's ceo pulse podcast it's on um youtube and and itunes and um i mean we sit down and and, and talk about the entrepreneur experience of, of, of just different people and different verticals and um, you know, very much kind of you know similar to what what you're you're doing with with yours, and it, it's a very conversational flow type of a type of setting, and and it's pretty interesting just to kind of pick people's brains on on their perspective of business and and um, you know what they've learned, their strategies, you know, big stories and all that stuff. So that that's what we cover on it. Awesome, yeah, I love it. I mean, obviously, I done I've I've done a mm -hmm. lot of interviews uh, over the last few years. Why did you Why did you start a podcast? What was your uh, What was your goal? So, so um, thanks for asking that, man. It's it's one of the the um, the things that kind of uh, it takes me back to to that same conversation I had uh, when I was sitting down at Applebee's and and, and the idea kind of sparked. Um, I had nowhere to turn. I, I went and talked to the SBA and I spoke to this one gentleman. Super cool. Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't feel like there was a lot of value that I took from, from, um, you know, besides a template on, on how to kind of structure my business plan. Right. And the business plan was so, so, um, not user-friendly. <laughs> so it was very, it was very, you know, one of those, you know, classic, just kind of Microsoft Word templates. The point, the point that I'm trying to make is that I didn't have a lot of places to look uh, to turn to. And I keep thinking about me being, you know, 21 years old and, um, and having all kinds of questions about business. Um, just, you know, is this right? Is this what I'm supposed to do? How do I structure an LLC? How do I, you know, what do I do when I'm feeling like this? What do I, you know, when I feel like my mindset is all over the place, when, when I feel like a failure and I feel like I'm not gaining, gaining any traction, like, what do I do? Who do I talk to? And I was just simply not in a world where I could have a lot of those conversations. Right. Um, so a lot of it, I kept to myself. I, I, I got into books and started reading and, 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 and really, you know, dove into personal growth. But, but the, the, what came out of it was my, 
my desire to to empower entrepreneurship and and the podcast is just you know it's it's one of the best vehicles i think that um you know allows me to do that yeah i agree man what's what's been an uh, an unexpected benefit of being a podcast host for you um, I've always been a podcast fan, so I'm always listening to podcasts and, mm. and audiobooks and stuff like that. But I, don't, I think you can't, um, as, as a host, just the amount of stuff that I'm learning, man, it's, it's, it's insane. Um, the um, the, the conversation, I mean, you can steer, you can take that conversation anywhere when you're asking somebody about, you know, their life. And they're with you there, one, because they're willing to share and um so you can really tap into it so i can i I get to i get to you know explore and play in 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 a couple of different areas which i'm passionate about one being psychology um two being you know the whole the whole side of the the business experience business you know um perspective and and learning you know trick or not tricks but learning you know strategies and tactics and you know stuff that you know that are applicable to, to modern day business instead of just one template for a business plan. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so, uh, I didn't know why I think I was, I was probably similar when I started my first, my first podcast, I did my first couple of recordings and I, you know, I didn't even care if I had an audience. I was just so thrilled to be interviewing somebody and asking questions and learning and, mm-hmm. um, you know, that desire, um, just drove, you know, 600 plus interviews over the last few years. And I, I I, I've learned just like you may have learned so much. And I think one of the things that uh, I didn't really expect to be as powerful as it was, was the ability to network. I mean, if you, if you talk to a podcaster, they are some of the most networked people you'll ever <laughs> meet. They know, yeah. like we know a lot of people. I know 600 people, right. That I can now probably call mm-hmm. or email and, just check in, see how they're doing, ask them for a favor or, you know, maybe, you know, go down the road on some collaboration of some sort. And that that is so worthwhile. Uh, It's a really cool thing. I mean, have you experienced that as well? Uh, Yes, I have. And it's actually, um, we're sitting in a a very particular kind of a a hub here in Phoenix. Um, We, so, so just kind of paint a perspective of the, of the dynamic that I'm in. Uh, we have, we share an office space, right? We have an office space and it's, it's uh, multiple competing companies. So we're in the same industry in, in terms of uh, the real estate investment side. So we're looking, you know, going after the same clients and doing all that stuff. Um, two of the other people in the same office have, have podcasts and then, you know, they have, they do trainings and coachings and all that stuff. And, and even though we're all kind of going after the, the, you know, the same, the same dollar per se, um, the, uh, the idea of, of sharing and giving and contributing and collaborating, it's much, much bigger. And, and what's come out of that is, is uh, I mean, it's, it's just amazing. You start working with, with, you know, with project or on projects that didn't even think about or, or, you know, stuff that I wouldn't have even imagined, you know, a couple of years ago. And, and I think it comes from that. It comes from, from the space of, of um, one, sharing knowledge, right? Um, two is it's trying to get knowledge out of people and, and just putting it all out there. I mean, it, it, I think it just creates a, an environment of, um, of contribution. 
And when, when you, uh, man, when that happens, it, it's energy level goes, you know, energy levels go up. Um, the positivity of, of everything that you're working on goes up. Your, your magnetism as a human goes up. Your mindset gets better. Um, I mean, just I mean, the, the, uh, the benefits are, are <laughs> you know, they, they, they keep coming. <laughs> yeah, they really do, man. And it's just a, it's just a more uh, enjoyable way of doing things. Right. Right. Uh, right. You know, I think ultimately what it would have boils down to is as a podcast host or someone who values relationships, you, you have the opportunity to start a relationship by offering value, right? Mm-hmm. Be like, Hey, let's just start a conversation by you coming on my show and I'm going to give you a nice piece of right. content. I'm going to give you, introduce you to my audience and, uh, and kind of bring you in my fold as part of my network. And, you know, that's, who doesn't want that? <laughs> what a great way right. to start a conversation. Uh, so it, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a really cool experience. I'm glad I'm glad you're you're feeling the same thing. Um, as we we start to you know respect your time and mm-hmm. kind of wrap this up, I'm curious, like with you know um, with your current with all your businesses right now, what's what's one of the biggest needs you have right now for for your business? Um, one of the biggest needs, I, I think you actually well. Uh, you mean at me personally in my business stuff yeah. that I need or yeah you um, I I'm I wouldn't say it's a need I would say it's a challenge okay uh, right now one of the biggest things that, that I'm, I'm I'm working through is control growth uh, mm-hmm. I've been I've been in a space where 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 we've had explosive uh, you know growth and that kind of came back to bite me in the butt um, to, you know at one point it was it was a while back I mean what happened was that we grew too quick, expenses got out of hand, and, and you know, account receivable kind of stuff. It just, you know, it was hard to, to manage the whole thing, right? Um, so right now, it, it's, it's um, we're, we're pacing ourselves through a few things. Uh, naturally, my natural tendency is, is to want to do things a lot faster <laughs> and get results quick and then, you know, have that done yesterday and, you know, and operate from that space. But when, when, when I'm I'm acting as a creator as well because I mean I am developing the the operating systems and 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 everything else that we're that we're pushing forward, it's hard to do all that stuff, right? So um, it's hard to you know put it all together and and have the uh, the attention to detail that that your your clients are 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 um, entitled to. Uh, you, I mean I don't want to half ass something and then put it out on the market uh, just for the sake of speed. So that's it's one of the things that I'm 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 uh, I'm kind of you know, working through right now, just that, you know, control growth and how to, um, you know, face it out, um, and, and level things out. But I mean, other than that, it's, it's, um, I mean, we have, you know, the real estate side of stuff is, is going well. Um, the, uh, organizational side of things is it's, uh, psychology side of things is going well as well. I mean, we're getting more clients and, and, um, and really, you know, tapping more into, into the, uh, the digital reach, of um of our content or you know the stuff that we have that we have um, already built so now we're just putting more stuff more of it out there so yeah it's, it's interesting, um, man. marketing is a whole different beast man it, it's to me it's it's something that um uh i thought it was going to be easier when i when i started uh, tapping into how to market you know what i do what i my services and and creating a digital space for all that and and i quickly realized it's not <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh i mean it's just there's a lot of noise man and there's a yeah. lot of noise out there right now i mean everybody uh and their dog 
is a mm -hmm. content creator, like literally people making content of their dogs now and yeah. get through the tsunami of content and get to the right person and then get them a message that, um, you know, is powerful enough and repetitive enough, frankly, to, to get them to take action is, is, it's a challenge. And, uh, you know, that's why, you know, you see marketers always, there's constantly new ways of marketing. It's getting more and more invasive. And, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing, man. I, I agree. And I, I look at, I think one of the biggest uh, challenges that entrepreneurs face is what you're, what you're talking about. And, and I just, I call it the, you know, walking the line between urgency and patience, right? <clears throat> you right. have to have a certain amount of urgency to push your business forward because no one's going to do it for you. But then again, you have to sometimes just let things marinate, right? And, and do them the right way. And just, you, you can't force relationships either. They have to kind of unfold in due time. So it's, it's a challenge for everybody, man. I think uh, everybody wants results now, but they, you have to learn what is the appropriate amount of patience to give it before you can push it a little bit more. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I both resonate with and resemble that comment. <laughs> one, one, uh, one pragmatic thing, I guess, that, that I can um, um, put out there for your audience is I, I broke my, um, my, um, it's not really to do's, but I have actionables, right? So I have stuff that I want to, that I want to handle. And instead of calling everything an action, I, I, um, I'll separate them. Hmm. And I start seeing a pattern. So I have things, for example, that I need that I, if I get an action, I'll do, um, I'll figure out if it's something that gives me energy or takes away energy. And I learned this from a friend and, um, that's one. And then I have a top three priorities. I have another you know, little section that's top three priorities and, uh, you know, financial, uh, goals and personal goals. And, and, you know, that kind of stuff goes in there. So I, I just divide it into three little sections, right? So is this one of my top three? Is this something that gives me energy or is this something that, uh, takes away the, um, energy? And, and I'm thinking about something that I have to do. For example, if it's, um, uh, I don't know, we're opening escrow on something, right. And I have that coming up and we have to compile the paperwork. It's a commercial property, you know, get the inspections, land, you know, uh, surveys or whatever. That's stuff that drains energy. So to me, anything that drains energy, uh, I'll try to delegate it. But that, that's how I, I'm kind of mitigating and, and managing really the, the flow of, of uh, my drive, my personal energy, and, and putting it into um, you know, an actionable way to use it um, as I'm going through, through the tasks. And, and what I end up you know, seeing at the end of the day is like, all right, cool. I spent 40% of my day today just uh, doing stuff that I should have delegated. Yeah, that's, that's an awesome way to look at it, man. And that's, you know, we, we, we put it at, at level five mentors. We always, uh, you know, categorize it as into, you know, you should be seeking to, to spend 80% of your workday in your unique ability. And that's the same thing. It's something that energizes you, something that you enjoy doing and uh, it doesn't drain your energy. I mean, you should, you're going to be tired at the end of the day if you're putting out really good work. Right. But, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing and it takes time to kind of really look inward and see, learn about yourself as an entrepreneur and a person. Um, and then once you go down that journey, you're, you're able to really tighten things up and be really efficient and effective at what you do. And, um, man, Raphael, it's, it's, uh, it's been really interesting conversation. I greatly appreciate it. If you don't mind, just to give us our audience some details, where, where do they find you, where do they find your company, your podcast, give us, give us all the goods. Yeah, so uh, to get a hold of me, the fastest way, the easiest way is always going to be social media. Instagram works. It's Raphael.CEOPulse. 
Um, there's links on there as well for uh, for the CEO Pulse podcast and the businesses and and um, everything. So yeah, I mean, just the the one stop shop is going to be Instagram, uh, Rafael CEO Pulse. Right on, man. Well, thank you. Well, thank- I appreciate I appreciate all your insights, man. I appreciate the uh, the free real estate advice pre pre recording. Um, <laughs> I appreciate your time and I, I really love the work you're doing. So, uh, keep it up, man. I, I, uh, I'm a fan. Thank you, man. Same here. Same here. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Ladies and gentlemen, Rafael Cortez. Hey everybody. This is your host, Eric Malzone. Don't leave yet. I have a few more requests for you. So, if you got value out of this podcast, I ask you to do a few things. Number one, go to wherever you're listening, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and go ahead and subscribe to the show. Number two, while you're there, if you feel that we earned it, please leave us a nice review. Number three, share it. Whether it be social media, email, texting, whatever it may be. I'm sure you know somebody who would get value out of this episode just like you did. So please go ahead and share it. And that's how we get the word out. So it's really valuable and super appreciative. It only takes a minute of your time. Next, if you know of somebody, including yourself, who would be a great guest for the show, please head on over to level5mentors.com, L-E-V-E-L, the number five, mentors.com. Get in touch with me. Let me know what you're thinking. Uh, Make an introduction. Whatever it may be, you can also get me directly in my email, which is eric, E-R-I-C, at level5mentors.com. Lastly, if you just want to chat, you want to find out more, if you want to expand on some ideas, I love hearing from the audience. So go ahead and hit me up on social media. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. You also have my email already. So I love to hear from you. I'm always looking for ways to improve the show, and I'm always looking to have great conversations. So don't hesitate to reach out. And once again, thank you for listening to the Black Diamond Podcast, and you can expect a lot more from us.